You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From October the 4th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. O simple ones, learn prudence, acquire intelligence, you who lack it. Hear, for I will speak noble things. And from my lips will come what is right. From my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to one who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I want to offer a little recap of this series that I'm calling Thrive that correlates with the wellness series that's happening on Wednesdays at noon. The first week we began with spiritual well-being. And then we tackled emotional well-being. Last week was physical well-being. And this week is intellectual well-being. Intellectual well-being. Same root word as intelligence, right? And we we hear a lot about intelligence in different ways. It has a lot of different meanings. If you're listening to the news, you might hear about the intelligence community, which by that I think they mean like the CIA, the FBI, Homeland Security, things like that. Or you may hear about artificial intelligence, AI. And some speculate what what that might mean for the future of the human race with artificial intelligence. Some wonder if there might be intelligent life on other planets. If you're like me, maybe you wonder if there's intelligent life on this planet. (laughs) There's emotional intelligence. There's IQ, the intelligence quotient the intelligence test IQ test I took the IQ test a while back and I got a negative score that's good right the, like golf kind of the lower the score the better here's what I know about intelligence it's like underwear it's good to have it but you don't want to go all around showing it off right that's what I know about intelligence so we're tackling intellectual well-being this week. Here's a caveat, and I should have said this way back at the first of the series three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, that just because we may know something, just because we have a cognitive understanding of how something may work, just because we can speak about it or even preach about it, does not mean that that's necessarily that we're living into that. This is my caveat, right? For instance, I did my doctoral work on the spiritual practice of gratitude and its effect on well-being. I know a lot 
about the practice of gratitude and how, how important it is for our lives, for our well-being. That does not necessarily translate into me being a really good practitioner of gratitude. I have a lot of room to grow in that area. And so in all of these areas, I don't want you to uh, think that I'm imagining myself to be the expert in the room, but more of a fellow traveler with you as we all pursue this goal of wellness and well-being. So today is my attempt to, uh, and every Sunday, as we're correlating with this wellness series, is my attempt to kind of unpack what the scriptures have to say about it, to frame it in terms of faith and our Christian tradition. And so that's what we're going to attempt to do today with intellectual well-being. Now, there's a difference between intelligence and wisdom, right? You know this. This is not news to you. Intelligence is knowing what we need to do to be well. Wisdom is doing those things. So I know a lot about what I need to be doing to be well, but I'm not sure I'm wise enough to enact those whenever I see a package of Oreos, for instance. So I want to pause here. I want to unpack a little more fully the difference between intelligence, knowledge, and wisdom. So three bullet points. Number one, intelligence is the capacity for acquiring information. It's a capacity, right? Number two, knowledge is that information that we can acquire. And number three, wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. Now, in computer language, if you're a computer geek, intelligence is like the hardware. You know that maybe you get a new computer and the, and the hard drive is completely empty, just kind of waiting for you to fill it up with all kinds of good stuff, right? So intelligence is like that. It's a capacity. The knowledge is the data, the, the, the zeros and the ones, the code that you put into that hard drive. Wisdom is using software then to produce the desired results. Now, maybe that's, uh, you're not a computer person, maybe you would prefer a human example. So here's one from my family. I have two boys. <coughs> one, <coughs> excuse me. one is 13 and one is 6. Um, I've had both of them tested, IQ tested, and guess what? They have the exact same IQ according to that measure. So both of my brilliant sons have the same capacity for learning. But, here's number two, but my 13-year-old has more knowledge than my 6-year-old. For instance, my 13-year-old is, is, is learning algebra while my 6-year-old is kind of working on addition and subtraction, that kind of thing. But at this point in their life, I would say that neither of my sons have a great deal of wisdom. I think they get it from their daddy. Just kidding, honey. Just kidding. <laughs> so you see the difference between intelligence and knowledge and wisdom. Intelligence is a capacity to learn. Knowledge is the information learned. Wisdom is the knack for using knowledge in profound ways. You can have knowledge without wisdom. You cannot have wisdom without what? Without knowledge. That's right. So when we talk about intellectual well-being, we stop short if our ultimate goal is wisdom. If that's it, if we had all the wisdom in the world, but we don't act on that wisdom, then it's for naught. It must inform our actions. If you uh, qualify for Mensa, how many Mensa members? Okay, don't answer that. <laughs> if you qualify for Mensa, which is the high IQ society, I don't think I qualify. If you don't use your intelligence and knowledge for the greater good, then you are not wise. Sorry. All right, so here's something important. As I was thinking about intelligence and knowledge and wisdom, 
our uh, human community, we have more knowledge at our fingertips than any society that has ever lived. You know where it is? It's not in my brain, but I don't need it to be in my brain because I have a smartphone. Look at that bad boy right there. Mm, seven and a half inches of mm, love right there. Not. We have all of this knowledge at our fingertips, more than any other generation. Anywhere there's Wi-Fi or cell phone signal, we can tap into the storehouse of human knowledge. And it's incredible. And it's um, mind-boggling, really, isn't it, if you think about it? Other cultures, other, other generations have not had this. It has happened so fast in most of our lifetimes. Wisdom has not caught up with the knowledge that we have exposure to. We have all of this knowledge available to us, and we have not yet created the capacity to use it for the greater good. So if you sense that our systems are crumbling, and I sense that our systems are, are crumbling, we, it's because we have all of this knowledge, but yet don't have the wisdom to know how to use it well for the greater good of humanity. Everyone knows there are deep problems. We just can't agree on the solutions I wrote in my most brilliant moment. <laughs> so we live in the information age. There goes my sermon notes. Uh-oh. We live in the information age. So before this was the uh, industrial age, right, where the economy was driven by industry, and now the economy is driven by information technology. And there are four, uh, excuse me, three phases to this information age. The primary phase. You remember when you only had newspapers, radio, and TV? Do you remember that? I remember. I'm old enough to remember that. You had newspapers, you had radio, you had TV. That's where you got your information. The secondary part of being in the information age is when we got email and mobile phones. Who remembers their first email address? Mine was Prodigy. You remember Prodigy? I think my second one was Juno. Remember Juno? Yeah. Anybody remember their first mobile phone that you actually used to make phone calls on? Anybody still have their first mobile phone? <laughs> don't admit that. Don't admit that. The tertiary phase in this informational age in which we live is the merger of the two. I don't read a print newspaper anymore. Guess where I read my newspaper? It's the merger of the secondary phase and the primary phase. Now, what does all this have to do with wisdom and intelligence? Thanks for asking. <laughs> we have to know about what kind of era we're living in so that we can adapt and grow and that our wisdom that we learn about in the book of Proverbs, that it might grow alongside us. And why does it matter? Why does it matter? The folks that have put together the wellness series were wise in finding a prayer that fit to begin each each session, and it's the serenity prayer. We prayed it a couple, or three weeks ago. Say it along with me if you know it. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I cannot accept, and the what? The wisdom to know the difference. What if we could pray that one time and have all the wisdom we needed? Wouldn't that be nice? Instead, it's a prayer we need to pray over and over again because we all need to grow in wisdom. We're all called to grow in that area. And so that's why I believe it matters. Now, 
The scripture passage we read just a few moments ago from the book of Proverbs, presumably written by King Solomon. King Solomon was known for his wisdom. We read in the book of 1 Kings that when he first became king, that he, he prayed to God for wisdom. God came to Solomon and said, whatever you want, I will grant it to you. And Solomon said, I, I would like to have wisdom. The Bible tells us that God was pleased with that request, so God granted him wisdom. The Bible tells us that God granted him more wisdom than anyone that had ever lived or anyone that would ever live after him. So by some measure, Solomon may be the most wise person who ever lived. Now fast forward a few years, and he's firmly established as the ruler, the, the monarch, and now he's writing. He's writing his thoughts on wisdom. And the whole book of Proverbs are, are, are a collection of these, of these uh, wise sayings. And if you kind of uh, look at them all, what the book of Proverbs teaches us is that if we learn prudence, we read in verse 5, and acquire intelligence, we will be happy, he says. But if we go on and read, I didn't read it all, but if we go on to read, those who, uh, those who don't acquire wisdom will injure themselves, he writes, and love death. Now, which do you prefer? You want to be happy or do you want to love death? Hmm? Right? Here's what Walter Brueggemann noted, <clears throat> noted Old Testament scholar has to say about that, how we apply that wisdom. He says the more specific, immediate, and practical instruction in the book of Proverbs gives substance to what it means to be wise. Thus, there is the teaching of wisdom concerning, and here, here's what it means to be wise in the world, respect for the poor, the importance of generative work, the danger of careless speech, the risk of unpayable debt, the hazard of having the wrong kind of friends. These very specific forms of conduct will diminish the well-being of the community, whereas good work, good speech, good friends, and respect for the poor all the counsel of wisdom will bring well-being into the community. Wisdom guarantees it, Brueggemann writes. So, this is the interactive part of the sermon today. I want you to think in your brain, use that intelligence to think in your brain, of three wise people. The first is somebody that you have known personally. Think of somebody in your life that you thought of as very, very wise. You got that person? Give me a nod if you do. Can you think of somebody in your life that you think of as wise? All right, hold that person in your mind. Now think of somebody, a public figure or maybe a historical figure that you think of as wise. Can you think of somebody that's a public figure or an historical figure? Give me a nod when you've got that person. And finally, think of maybe a movie character or a book character, a fictional character that's wise. Can you think of somebody? I bet my husband's going to think of Yoda when... <laughs> when he hears this, a fictional character that's wise. And now what I want you to do is I want you to think of the things that those three people have in common. The things those three people have in common. Got it? In my mind, the three people that I thought of have three characteristics in common, maybe more, but I thought of three. Number one, they don't, they don't get all in a tiffy when things go wrong, right? They're calm when things don't go their way. They kind of ride through life without getting too flustered. They're kind of calm and peaceful all the way. That's number one. 
Number two, they have a a gentle sort of confidence, not like an arrogant confidence, right? A, a, a boisterous, blundering kind of confidence, but a, but a gentle confidence. They know who they are, and they're not going to be shaken. They, they feel good about themselves and what they believe. And number three, the people that I've thought of as wise tend to listen more than they speak. And when they speak, people listen. What about you? What about the three people that you think of? Now, here's the catch. Here's the crux of the sermon. You are called to be that kind of person. And if, the psychologists tell us, if you see something in another person, if you recognize it, that means that same characteristic is somewhere in you. So if you've thought of three sages, three wise people, that same sage, that same wise person is in you. And you are called to live into that wisdom. We are all called to be sages. We need some good sage men and sage women. So that one day, somebody in a room like this, somebody you know is going to be asked the question, think of somebody in your life that you consider wise, and they're going to think of you. That's what we're called to. And being a sage has nothing to do with age. I mean, we, in our culture, we think of it that way, but being a sage has nothing to do with age. I've known plenty of 80-year-olds who lacked quite a bit of maturity, to be honest with you. And I've known some 20-year-olds who showed wisdom beyond their years. You've heard that said. Being a sage has nothing to do with age. We all have room to grow. So... What happens if we do this, if we all seek this wisdom like the book of Proverbs encourages us to do? The Bible tells us if we ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. When Solomon prayed for wisdom, God granted it and God was happy. So let us all commit to doing that, to grow in the grace and the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I close today with a poem. It's a vision in which wisdom prevails. It's written by one of my favorite poets, Wendell Berry. Here's what he writes. If we will have the wisdom to survive, to stand like slow-growing trees on a ruined place, renewing it, enriching it, if we will make our seasons welcome here, Asking not too much of earth or heaven, that a long time after we are dead, the lives our lives prepare will live here. Their houses strongly placed upon the valley sides, fields and gardens rich in the windows. The river will run clear as we never know it, and over it the bird song like a canopy. On the levels of the hills will be green meadows, stock bells in noon shade. On the steeps where greed and ignorance cut down the old forest. An old forest will stand, its rich leaf fall drifting on its roots. The veins of forgotten springs will have opened. Families will be singing in the fields. In their voices they will hear a music risen out of the ground. They will take nothing out of the ground. They will not return. Whatever the grief at parting, memory native to this valley will spread over it like a grove 
and memory will grow into legend, legend into song, and song into sacrament. The abundance of this place, the songs of its people and its birds, will be health and wisdom and indwelling light. This is no paradisal dream. Its hardship is its possibility. What a beautiful vision for those who are called to be sages. What a beautiful vision for us. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.